your Bible, 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. Verse 21. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 21. It's great scripture, this one. Really good, and the context is as well. Fantastic epistle. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from Him anything we ask because we obey His commands and we do what pleases Him. And that, 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 if there's ever a memory verse, that's got to be it. When a, when a Christian, that's you, when a Christian has got confidence before God, the Bible says we can ask of Him anything we want. And it will be done for us. Such a, an enormous promise, a huge promise. Because the heart that knows it's walking right, when your heart knows that you're avoiding all sin, it gives you confidence. And the book of Hebrews says, whatever you do, don't throw that confidence away. Protect it. Guard your heart. Hang on to it. And such a heart can go before God in full assurance that we're asking in accordance with His will and see our prayers answered. Wonderful. You see, sin, when you're born again and you sin, God will forgive your sin. You just need to go to Him and confess that sin. He'll wash you clean, right? No problem. But what happens is sin causes you to feel self-condemned. Not condemned by God. There is no condemnation. For those that are in Christ Jesus. There's the condemnation of God which you don't want. That's upon the lost. And that's not what's being dealt with here actually. When our hearts do not condemn us. We don't condemn ourselves as it were. It's self-condemnation you see. And that's what messes up prayer. And you can pray forever in a day. And you can as many people do. Expend an enormous amount of energy. Hours and hours. In prayer. But as we were saying in the evangelism seminar the other week, it's not actually about that. It's about getting the principles right. That's what it's about. And then making those prayers hit the target. So that what we do really counts. And that's the, really the backdrop of this series. It's to bring us all to the place that we can pray and see it answered. And that in, in, involves this. So when Satan was coming, Jesus was able to say... You know, why are your prayers answered, Jesus? Well, the prince of this world is coming and he has got nothing in me. I've kept, kept a clean temple. And that's our goal. I hope that's your goal. We've looked at, this is the last week, by the way, the last message in this series. We've looked at many things over the weeks, different things that Christians may have in them, different problems. And as I say, if the hat fits, wear it. If it doesn't, no problem. But learn and then help others to be free. So, how are we going to do this? Well, Scripture's full of advice about how to stay free. Number one, you're going to have to learn to police your own thoughts. That's your head. That's your mind. There's some things in life that God does, and there are some things in life that God is not going to do. And one of the things is the renewing of your mind. It's given to you. It's handed over to you. When people say, you know, I've got this problem with my thinking, that problem... And they live in a dream world that one day someone will lay hands on them and everything will be okay. No. You have responsibilities as a believer. And one of them is to guard your own thinking. To police your own thoughts. 
to take captive anything that doesn't line up with the Word of God. Let me tell you how important this is. I was out praying one day. We were living in Ireland at the time. I was in town and God spoke to me and about that subject. And that was the word. You've got to police your own mind. I thought, wow, okay. I'm in town and I ring Jeanette. I was excited because I knew God had spoken to me. Now, we lived in a sort of a cul-de-sac, a, a dead end, where no one ever went. And certainly the, the police never, ever, 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 ever went down that street. And I called Jeanette and I said, I just had a word from the Lord about the, the necessity of policing our thoughts. And she was talking to me on the phone. Guess what happened? Two cops walk up past the window. I said, they're here, they're here. <laughs> the police outside. And you may think, well, it was just a coincidence. I don't think it was a coincidence because we lived in that street. Never seen police there ever before. And at the moment when God speaks to me, about policing your mind. He just said, I want you to understand I'm serious. We get transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now that, you see, if you can't control your thoughts, folks, you're not going to control anything else. If you can't control your mind and your thinking, then your actions, I guarantee you, are going to follow on and be completely out of control. It begins with the mind. In fact, we won't go into it this morning, but that's Paul's conclusion in the great book of Romans, where he comes all the way through the gospel. And then he says, you get it? Therefore, he says, you will only going to be changed by, by the renewing of your mind. So that's the first way we begin to do this, by changing our stinking thinking. The second way is to police the flesh. And that's our topic for today. Galatians is very clear about this, and we've covered it many times, and we'll cover it many times again. The flesh is something that you can't drive out because it's not a demon. Right? Wouldn't it be great if we could, but you can't. The flesh is something you, like every other human being, you're going to have it with you all the days of your life. It's a daily thing. The Apostle Paul said, therefore, I die daily. Right? And the, crucif the, the crucifixion of the flesh is something that, it, that should be a daily occurrence. But we're going to look at the flesh this morning. And I guess Samson is going to be our, our, our case in point. He's an excellent figure to study on this issue. So, all believers have got strengths and weaknesses. You have. You've got strengths and you've got weaknesses. The strengths within you have been given to you by God to achieve His goal, no matter what they are, right? The weaknesses within you are often left there by God. In fact, God leaves many things within us. The weaknesses within you are often left there by God to draw you to Him as a sort of a safety catch. In fact, listen to me, the greatest weakness you have could also be the very thing that keeps you close to God. And the Apostle Paul was a great example of this. He went through his life. He had what he called a thorn in the flesh. He never explained what it was. Some people think it was a love of chocolate. I don't think that myself. <laughs> he had a thorn in his flesh that followed him all his life long. He says he cried out to God three times, Please take this from me! And his loving father said no. And God could have delivered him. But God cares about Paul infinitely. Knew Paul better than Paul knew Paul. Said, Paul, if I take that off you, 
you'll be gone. I need to somehow weaken you in order to keep you. I'll give you a silly example of how I can see that to be so true. We have a, a, a cat at home, a clever cat, and she's a good negotiator, especially when it comes to cat biscuits. And she goes out in our last house, she would go out and she would not come in at night and there's dogs and foxes and I sort of wanted to get her in and I was thinking she won't come in. And then I devised a strategy to keep her well. So I would say to James, who's living at home then, or my stepson, I would say, James, don't feed the cat. Jeanette, don't feed the cat. And the cat would be crying, feed me, I'm hungry. Don't feed the cat. But she's hungry. I know, don't feed the cat. And I would leave the cat hungry so that when I would go out at night and shake those cat biscuits, in she would come. Boom, no problem, I got you. I had to make you weak in order to keep you safe. And in many lives, folks, I'm afraid it's the same. God knows you. You know, there's only three reasons why a weakness remains within a Christian. The first one is the thorn in the flesh issue. That God himself knows you are struggling in some area, but he cares about you through and through, and he says, you know what, I'm not going to take that off you. It's your cross. You're going to have to carry it. Because if I take that, you're going to run from me. The other reason is that many people think that they can deal with issues alone, you know. And they can't. We can't. We need God for everything. Or, thirdly, the person may have no wish whatsoever to be free. Right? So one of those three reasons on that list there is the reason for remaining weaknesses within us. And you've got to look at each case within yourself and assess yourself. But for the moment, let's look at Samson. Judges chapter 13. Judges chapter 13 and verses 1 to 5. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. A certain man of Zorah named Manoah from the clan of the Danites had a wife who was sterile and remained childless. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, You are sterile and childless. You are going to conceive and have a son. Now see to it that you drink no wine or no fermented drink and that you do not eat anything unclean because you will conceive and give birth to a son. No razor may be used on his head because the boy is to be a Nazarite. Set him apart to God from birth and he will begin the deliverance of Israel from the hands of the Philistines. What a gracious, gracious God. The people of Israel had gone wrong again wayward again and God in his mercy says okay I will have mercy on you I will send you a deliverer in the form of Samson and in Samson comes but guess what folks the deliverer ended up under the same bondages as the people he was sent to deliver <sighs> instead of being you know in the world but not off it Samson was in the world and off Completely. Sad, sad, tragic situation. Now, in Samson's case, this is one strong man. I mean, incredibly. He led Israel, you know, for 21 years of victory. However, there was one weakness. It was lust in Samson's case. One principal weakness within him. And that was women. Now, in the book of Hebrews, it's a fantastic... In fact, turn to it because you need to mark it. 
Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. Look at this. Hebrews 12, 1. It talks about how believers can have one sin that besets their life. Hebrews 12, 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded... Is that the right one? It is. Uh, yes, it is. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin. Now, take a look at that word, the, uh, the word sin there. It's the singular word for sin. There's three Greek words for sin. There's sin as a principle is one word. There's plural sins. And then there's the singular sin. Samson was caught, destroyed by one thing in his life. A man who was strong in so many ways, yet one weakness brought him down. And the book of Hebrews really, to me here, alludes that Samson is not unique, but it makes me think that this is an, sort of an athletic scene here. Threw off every weight that would entangle you from walking the Christian life. Oh, and by the way, you know that sin, the sin, deal with it. Singular. And so it's not, you know, just Samson, and you can go throughout the scriptures and look at all the different people. People, there's what you might call a point of contention in your life, a point of growth. And the problem is when that point of growth becomes the same thing, that's the problem. When that point of growth for you is the same today as it was 10 years ago, something's up, right? God provided Paul with the grace to live above it, the grace to walk free of it. That's what he meant by that. Let us just briefly take a look at the mistakes that Samson made. First of all, Samson, typical man, refused to recognize that he had a weakness. You know, men die statistically younger than women. I think it's about seven years or so. That's been the case for a very long time. There's several reasons why that is the case, but one of them is because when men get a bad stomach or a bad head or whatever, they don't go to the doctor. Typically, they put it off. They put, it's all right, I'll be okay. I'll sort it out myself. Typical male opinion, sort of, you know, sort of attitude. And Samson was just like that. He refused to recognize that he had a weakness. And secondly, that weakness destroyed him. Friends, every believer has got strengths and weaknesses. Now listen, your weakness can destroy you. Okay? It may seem like a strong thing. It's that point. It'll either make you or it will break you. Now, all Christians, as I say, don't excuse yourself because you're crazy if you do. Everybody's got a weakness of some sort. I think of income. Income, sorry. <laughs> she, she has a weakness. Maybe I shouldn't share this. Spiced onions. And Kim likes spiced onions, you know. We're all different. I think of Belinda. Is Belinda back from Africa? No? We were at our house having a barbecue, you know. Belinda walks in and says, well, what's cooking? I said, chicken. Oh, you should see her reaction. Chicken, yes, chicken, come on. And it's only, ch only chicken. Everybody's got their hot spot. Everybody's got their strengths and weaknesses. What's yours, right? Is it self-pity? Is it gossip? Never mind spiced onions. Some of you, if you hear a tasty word of gossip, is somewhere, what do you do? Run to it? You see? It's a weakness, and it's a wicked weakness. It could be laziness. It could be negativity. 
But all of us have got strengths and weaknesses, traits, bents, call it what you want. We need to identify them, own up to them, and deal with them. Amen. So Samson, three simple mistakes. He refused to recognize his weakness. Instead of that thing making him, it destroyed him. What a terrible tragedy. And the last and the biggest mistake was that he thought Delilah was just another woman. What does it matter? You can read it in Judges. He went and slept with some prostitute in a place called Timnah. And then he traveled another few days and he slept with some woman in Gaza. And then he ended up in Delilah's bed and you know what he said? What does it matter? Just another girl. Just another night. And what a mistake he made. You see, the devil is a subtle foe, that's what the Bible says. A cunning foe. A bit of a trickster. Right? And we're warned about that. Cunning. Clever. And there's deception involved here. And didn't he walk into that deception? He thought this woman was just another woman. But she wasn't. You see, repeated sins. When they're in you. When they repeat and repeat, you've always got to stop and ask yourself something. What's going on in my life? What's up with this? You see, say you have a drink habit. I used to drink. I drank for years. Which drink is it that's going to give you cirrhosis and kill you? Which cigarette is it? Year in, year out, month in, month out, you smoke away. But which cigarette is it? that's going to push you over the line and kill you. I had a friend of ours, Mark Morrissey, lovely guy, absolute gentleman, happened to be addicted to heroin, the most unlikely addict you could ever imagine. But so he was. And he came to us and we did cold turkeys with him for, for I think, three times, seven days and seven nights where he was in our building. And Mark, you know, just could not cope. He went back out one day and he went into town like he had done for about 10 years. He was about 29. Went into town, picked up a bag of heroin. 20 quid. No problem. It looks like any other bag. I've done this a thousand times. And he comes up, not far from our church, gets a syringe. And it looks like every other syringe he's ever had. And he draws up the heroin, puts it in his arm, and it kills him. Bad gear. Bad stuff. I think of another friend, a man I drank with for many years, about 10 years or so. We were drinking buddies. I got saved, came out of that whole environment. I tried to bring him with me. He was, you know, very opposed to Christianity and he wouldn't listen. Days, you know, well, years went by, probably about four or five years. I get a phone call one day saying, Chris is dead. How what? Chris is dead. Big, strong man. And I spoke to someone close to that circumstance. I said, how did he die? What happened? They said nothing. What do you mean nothing? He's dead, isn't he? What happened to him? Nothing. We were in the pub. He went to the pub. He went home with his girlfriend. He lay down. Never woke up. Normal night. Normal pint glass. Normal pub. I feel just like I've always felt. But you don't know that tonight you're going to die. How subtle the devil is. You see... Delilah did not have a sign around her neck saying, I'm going to kill you. I'm different from all the others. She didn't have that. The heroin trench, it wasn't labeled. 
And the, the thing about this is, you see, please listen carefully right now. It's a hidden thing. It's a subtle thing. The anointing left Samson and he didn't know. It's a hidden thing. It's a subtle thing. That's the strategy. So my point is, if there is a repeated sin in your life, there's a strategy behind it. And the devil numbed Samson, numbed him to sin. He felt invincible. He felt above the law, if you like. And that hardening of the heart was all to get him destroyed. And he walked straight into the trap. He should have known better. So no, any repeated sin in our lives has a strategy behind it. And you need to, you know, call on God for the grace to live above it or get delivered from it. No matter which way, we can still live above the sin. As tragic as the story of Samson is, it's a story with a happy ending. And I've heard many people speak about Samson over the years, but in my opinion, they don't understand him. See, Samson's a hero. <laughs> Samson's a hero in God's eyes. He's in the book of Hebrews in chapter 11. He's one of the heroes, all-time heroes of faith. Incredible. I'll explain why in a moment. But in Judges chapter 16, you know the story, right? Remember they blinded him? They taunted him? They used to put him in with the wild beasts and he would have to entertain them? And Samson is now blind? The deliverer sent by God to set the people free is captive to the ruling power, to those who are subduing the others. And here he is in fetters, he's blinded, he's shaven, mocked, and he's grinding out the corn like an ox. And they call him up one day to make fun of him. And they put him, and his hair is grown back. They call him up one day to make fun of him because there's a big show on. And Samson calls out to God. And he says, God, would you strengthen me just one more? And God did. I want you to, to know something, friends. Listen to me. All believers, and I'm talking about you and all you at home, every believer has got strengths and weaknesses. I just want you to fully understand, don't tolerate your weaknesses. When God said, my grace is sufficient for you, he wasn't saying, just tolerate the sin. He was saying, I will empower you to live above it. But you're going to have to come back to me when I shake the box. You're going to have to come back to me. Lean on me. Do you know what a wonderful thing, the truth of the Bible, and that we see their lives, their whole lives, these people given. Do you know why this is here? Where is it? John's Gospel. These things are written so that you would believe. I gave you that so that you would believe and you would not have to suffer the same terrible pains that these people suffered. Learn from their mistakes. Look at what happened then. Samson had one thing in him and he tolerated it and it destroyed him. So he ends up in this terrible place. Like so many others before him, he had a life of mistakes. Do you know Elijah was a man who made many mistakes, big mistakes too, but he finished extremely well. I think of the apostle Peter. He was a man of, of continuous mistakes. But Peter, remember he ran away from the cross? He, he, he fled from Jesus. There was that cowardly side to him. 
But the same Peter, 30 years later, when he was something like 64 or something like that, years old, the same Peter walked boldly out. What was in him at 30 had been purged by God by 60. And he says, take the cross and turn it upside down. He actually said, I don't deserve the honor of being crucified in the same manner as the Lord Jesus Christ. A man who made many mistakes, but finished well. God eventually got that out of him. Took years, many, many years. Elijah, Peter, you could look at Moses, you could look at Joshua, and you can look at Samson. Samson finished well. And one of the shocks of the Bible is this. When God looks over history, from his perspective, not yours, because we would never see it. We would never dream it up. And God makes a list of those he says are heroes often. It's an important word, faith. Heroes of faith. And you think of all the, 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 the characters in here. Astonishing. But take a look. Maybe we'll do that one day. At Hebrews 11. At those God honors. And right slap bang in the middle of that list is Samson. Samson? Samson? You who destroyed the reputation of Israel? You who defamed God, Samson? God, you must have made a mistake. Can't be Samson. But of course, Samson is a hero of faith. What faith? Well, I'll tell you what faith. Do you know what it was? Do you see what God loved in him? Do you see what God honored in him and wants you to see? That the man who failed God a thousand times didn't lose faith in his goodness. Even though his hair was gone, even though he had sullied the reputation of the nation, and all of that must have weighed heavy in that cellar as he tread out the grain. But the same Samson, when he got that last opportunity, had enough faith within him to say, My God is still good. And he will forgive me. And I ask you, give me one last chance to glorify your name. And God pours out his strength the anointing, again upon him. Fantastic. And I want you to know, whatever's been in you, it doesn't matter how long it's been in you. But I've been like this for 30 years, so were they. The day can come, and I hope it's today, when you finally get it out of you. Amen? So look inside yourself. We're going to actually start a new series next week on prayer, actually. And we're going to start to pray. And we're going to pray and see our prayers answered because we come via this route, via this principle. So search yourself. What's your problem? What is it that's in you? Overeating? Undereating? Smoking? Drinking? Lust? Negative speech? Gossip? What, what is it that has been in you all of these years? And why not take advantage today? Say, that's it. God, I call upon your grace. I believe you're going to set me free. Whether he, now listen carefully, whether God gives you daily grace to walk above it, and you'll have to carry that cross. That's up to God, not to you, right? Or whether he just sets you free. That's God's business. The important thing is you submit. Commit to a holy life. Commit to a, a, a clean vessel. Amen? Let's stand a moment. Invite the team back. 
<coughs> Just close your eyes. <coughs> Excuse me. Close your eyes. Just stay focused. I want to give you a moment to make your peace, as it were, with God. We've looked at many things over the last few weeks. Unforgiveness, impatience, all manner of things. Let's put the word into practice and really shed some stuff this morning. And unpack some stuff out of your life. I'm going to open the floor and just invite one or two of you. Just pray out. Please be short, sharp, and sweet. But just pray out from where you are. And give over to God your life, your future. Father, we believe the same God who brought Elijah through his life, who brought Peter through his life, and brought Samson through his life. You too will sustain us and enable us to live above ungodliness, the unholiness that is in this world. And we cry out to you today for this very thing. God, lift us like an ark in this city. Equip us, Holy Ghost, as we reject all wickedness in word, thought, and deed, we invite you to come and dwell afresh in these temples. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Let the weak say, I am strong. God's gave me a word for some people in here. And it's a strange one, so I need to explain it. It is actually ugly duckling. You know, we are, <clears throat> let the weak say we are strong, but very often the weak say we are weak, and they think we are weak. Now, does everybody know the story of the ugly duckling, the hands? Does everybody know it? It's not about ugliness. This is about being different, being out of sorts, being rejected, feeling unwanted, feeling useless. And I think there's many people in here that because of their weaknesses feel exactly the same way. They feel unwanted, feel rejected, feel useless. I can't do anything because I'm an ugly duckling. But the wonderful thing about that story was that the ugly duckling wasn't an ugly duckling. It was a beautiful swan. And I believe that God wants to say to some people in here, you are a swan. I see you as a swan. And as Pastor Mike says, God can do so much and we have to do the other part. And the other part is being able to see ourselves as God wants us to see ourselves. Instead of seeing ourselves for our weaknesses, let's say we are strong and let us see ourselves for the strength that God has put in us as the swan. And you know how this, the ugly duckling discovered he was a swan? He saw his reflection in the water. Your reflection's in here, in the Word of God. It tells you everything that God, how God sees you. And it's a choice to live as an ugly duckling when you've been told that you're a swan. You can either receive what the Word of God says you are, and I'm going to read what David saw in here. I mean, David was a bit of a rogue. You could say he was an ugly duckling in many ways. But he got revelation from this. Well, not from this, from God himself. But we can get it from this. That we are, in God's eyes, swans. 
And you can choose to believe that or not. And as Pastor Mike says, today can be a day of change. You can receive exactly what God thinks of you. And I tell you what, I'd rather take what God thinks of me than anybody else. Because you know that he is faithful and true and absolutely trustworthy in what he says. Let me read from... um, This is David's revelation after looking at himself because what he saw was nothing to be proud of. We all know that David committed many, many sins. But he said this, For you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. And I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. Do you know if God's works are wonderful and he created you, what does that mean that you are? Wonderful. Say, I am wonderful. Hallelujah. I know that full well my frame was not hidden from you when I made it in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. And all the days ordained for me are written in your book. God is telling you today that you are a swan. Do you believe what God is saying? That wasn't very convincing. I would be jumping out and going, Hallelujah, I'm a swan. Listen, I know it's easy just to, perhaps if you're struggling with it, maybe you need prayer and that's fine. Come forward if you want prayer in it. But go home today. In fact, don't wait till you go home. Right now, receive the fact that God sees you as being wonderful. And see that as your strength, not your weakness. We all have plenty of weaknesses, actually. But if, if, if you choose to live in them, what are you going to be? Weak. Let the weak say, I am strong. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's program. I trust you have been blessed and edified by what you've heard. I want to ask you to do something, and that is to become a partner with us here at Preparing the Way. By doing so, you can help us to take these essential messages out to many other nations, many other people around the world. You can become a partner by visiting our website, preparingtheway.tv, and there you will find many ways that you can join up. Folks, it is a pleasure and an honor to partner with you in bringing in the end times harvest. God bless you, and once again, thank you for listening.